What is the greatest problem among humans today? Equality. You hear that a lot. Opportunity. People should all have opportunity. Security. That's a big one. Not enough laughter. Probably should have put a bunch of jokes into this sermon, but I didn't. (laughs) Not enough love. And all these are great things, important things. So, why are they all in short supply? Right? (laughs) Isn't that the question? What is it that quells all of this and, and much more that should be in the world? What is needed to make possible equality and opportunity and safety and laughter and love? Make possible. How about let's make that the norm? What what would it take to make that the norm? God, speaking through his prophet Amos, said to those ancient people in Israel, I hate, I despise your feasts. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen. All the stuff that you thought important, all the ways you thought you could make yourself good enough, building a good life for yourselves, these I hate. I'm not even going to listen to you. So, so what would work? What, what did God want from them? But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Justice and right living. Now you may be thinking, like I did, uh, that's kind of not what I thought I'd hear. (laughs) What's the one thing God wants? Justice. Oh, okay, okay. Well, join the crowd. That's most of us were thinking that too, I think, when we first saw this. But there is a reason for this. Not long after Amos recorded God's words, Isaiah became his prophet. Through him, God pleaded with the corrupt nation, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. We get from this a further feeling for what justice is. And they should have too. (sighs) But unfortunately, the cries of all God's prophets would not turn these people around. How the faithful city has become a harlot. It was full of justice, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. Justice. Without it, the poor become even poorer. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice, there is waste. Things don't change much, do they? Why don't the poor of the world simply farm more? 
I mean, we're often led to believe the problem is drought or poor farmland or maybe they don't have enough seed or maybe pests destroy the crops. And these things, they do happen. Could it just be that a swarm of locusts that, that overwhelmed the poor? There's one group that says that's it, but not literal locusts. What they've discovered is that the locusts who take everything from the poor are people. Unjust, violent people. Watch this video with me to see what every day is like for almost all the poor of this world. effect. Why the end of poverty requires the end of violence. I would say why the end of poverty requires justice. How do we get where we want to go? Equality, opportunity, security, laughter, and love from where we are injustice and the attendant violence. The Lord is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails, but the unjust knows no shame. And so we hear the poor weep with Habakkuk of old. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. The reality, the everyday lives of most of the developing world is violence. Violence because justice never goes forth. Gary Haugen, who wrote The Locust Effect, is a Christian man. and He takes seriously God's instructions. When he hears justice and only justice you shall follow, he listens. You shall not pervert justice to the stranger or the fatherless, nor take a widow's garment as a pledge. These are serious matters. So Mr. Haugen writes out, cries out with the psalmist, Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. 
They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The Lord loves... What? Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. The humble he teaches his way. His way. Maybe, maybe we'd better learn <laughs> about his way. What is God like? What does he do as relates to justice? He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. This statement is, takes on even greater meaning when you realize that it was written to the people of Israel after they came out of Egypt, before they entered the Promised Land, like where they were strangers. Egypt, where many were fatherless, they killed many men and they were short on food and clothing hmm. he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are justice a God of truth and without injustice righteousness and upright righteous and upright is he his work is perfect his ways that is his works are justice and we're supposed to be like that not only that, but righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Are you catching how these things are connected here? Mercy, truth, justice, righteousness. But foundation of your throne, what's that all about? Well, a foundation is what anything is built on, right? That's <laughs> kind of obvious. Uh, what it's based on. God's ruling is based on not love, but justice and righteousness. Right being and right doing. And last, there, there are a great number of verses concerning God and his justice, but the last one we're going to consider is this. Happy is he whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. These are things that God does and are supposed to emulate. And, you know, mostly it's things well, that we always say we want to do. That's, that's it, right? Keep the truth. Feed the hungry. Help the blind people. Watch over the strangers. That kind of thing. We're, you know, we're just in for that. This is great. Let's do that. But then there's that other group. Execute justice for the oppressed. Not just let it go. Execute justice. Do it. Free the prisoners. Turn the way of the wicked upside down. And you do know the, the prisoners that he's talking about, they're, they're not criminals. That's, they're not, that's not what he's talking about. These are unjustly imprisoned people. And we're supposed to do something about it. 
We're supposed to cause justice to happen to, for those wrongly oppressed. We are, if we want to be like God, supposed to flip the wicked on their heads. Okay, That's our job. So this justice thing <laughs> is turning out to be more than maybe we thought it was at first. It's turning out to require more of us than we thought. But not everyone who gets this justice thing wrong is a flat-out evil-doing person. Not, not everybody is wrong when they get that, when they get justice wrong. Some are actually believing people who don't understand what's going on. Uh, the classic story of injustice, one of the earliest of all written stories in all humanity, it's maybe the very first scripture written, it's the story of Job. You see, he's, he's got everything. And he's a good guy. I mean, he literally owns huge things. Has any, and he's a great guy. Well, okay, he says he's a great guy. And, and okay, we know he is because the scripture tells us about this conversation God had with Satan about Job. So we know Job's a good guy. We do know that. But the people in the story, the, the real people who are living out this life that we now call a story... <laughs> they didn't hear that God said that about Job, so they didn't know. So when Job loses everything, all his wealth, all his property, all, and, and I mean every last one of his children dies. He loses even his health. Those guys have a real hard time believing Job's tirade as to the injustice of his situation. You know, they're, they're basically saying, all of them are saying what his friend Bildad says, does God subvert judgment or does the Almighty pervert justice? In other words, come on, Job, you've got to have done something really bad for all this to have happened to you. That's got to be what it is. But sometimes bad things really do happen to people who, well, at least this time, weren't to blame. you got to feel for poor Job when he says things like these about God. If I cry out concerning wrong, I am not heard. If I cry out, there is no justice. He said, if it is a matter of strength, indeed, he is strong. And if of justice, who will appoint my day in court? But the man does keep his integrity. I love this one. As God lives, who has taken away my right? And the Almighty who has made my soul bitter. As long as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, my lips will not speak falsehood and my tongue will not utter deceit. He says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. Eh, but there's always one in the crowd, you know. Then the wrath of Elihu was aroused against Job and his wrath was aroused because he justified himself <laughs> rather than God. This guy goes on and on. Listen to These are some of the mean things he says about this good man, Job. Great men are not always wise, nor do the aged always understand justice. For Job has said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. Surely God will never do wickedly, nor will the Almighty pervert justice. As to Job's being in charge, he used to run everything. As for him being in charge again, he says, should one who hates justice govern? 
Mm. He thinks Job is a hypocrite. And he doesn't really know God at all. Although you say you do not see him, yet justice is before him and you must wait for him. He does not preserve the life of the wicked, but gives justice to the oppressed. You know, that's a really nice thing to say to a guy whose kids were all just killed. But does he stop there? No, no. He goes on. But you are filled with the judgment due the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. As for the Almighty, we cannot find him. He is excellent in power, in judgment, in abundant justice. He does not oppress, therefore men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. You, Job, are conceited and foolish, and you obviously don't serve God. Wow. You ever had anybody talk to you like that? Ah, things have gone terribly wrong in your life and obviously it must be all your fault. But people don't always grasp the truth of justice. I mean, it takes a lot of years to get even a little understanding. And this kid, well, first he could learn some manners. (laughs) And in fact, God jumps in. Immediately after the blowhard finishes, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Ouch, you know, Elihu should have kept his big mouth shut. But Job is still bereft of his children. His health is gone. Everything he owned is gone or destroyed. And all this time he's been screaming out, God, let me talk to you. Let me show you this should not have happened to me. And what does God say? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Uh, (laughs) What? (laughs) What does this have to do with the injustice? You know, what, what about my question? And then God goes on to talk about not just the amazing reality of nature on this earth, but even the entire universe, stars and constellations. I mean, he talks about various animals and the incredible way he designed them. And after this lengthy enumeration of the glories of his creation, God says to Job, shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, and I will not answer yes twice, but I will proceed no further. And God pushes Job even further. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God, or can you thunder with a voice like his? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and array yourself with glory and beauty. Disperse the rage of your wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. Then I will also confess that you, by your own right hand, can save you. I've read how good Job was in God's estimation God said he was great and I know I'm nowhere near the man nowhere near what he was and if this is how God spoke to him 
what would I have to say? (laughs) Just to make sure Job gets it, God goes on to describe two incredible animals that he created, both enormously powerful and overwhelming. And Job is overwhelmed. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job finally saw that really he was no better than the young Elihu and and his own not-so-great friends. Having put Elihu along with Job in his proper place, God speaks to Job's friends and tells them to ask Job to pray for them. Job, the guy sick, everything... Which Job did. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now you might be thinking, okay, why didn't we just take all this time to talk about uh, (laughs) this guy Job? What are we doing here? It's kind of simple. We get really angry with injustice. And we should. I hope we do. But what we shouldn't do is question God. He does know what he's doing. And our railing about how God ought to have done something is, well, as inappropriate as Elihu's comments to Job or Job's to God. Okay. We talked about straight-out evil people who pervert justice. And we've talked about sincerely wrong people who misunderstand justice. Now I'd like to look at the worst of all, hypocrites. This is one of my, well, I guess you could say one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's not that I like the story, more like I'm amazed by it. It, it just it, it blows me away every time I read it. So listen real carefully to what the hypocrites say. And, and remember, nobody else around them knew that these guys were hypocrites. They looked, they looked legit. They looked real. But Jesus was about to show them that he knew they were hypocrites. Okay, here we go. One day, as Jesus was teaching in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things, or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? And they discussed it with one another, saying, Well, if we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered, I don't know where he came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, if somebody asks you a question, don't you just, as the very first thing, try to figure out the answer? I mean, isn't that what you do with a question? Try to figure out the answer? Isn't that... 
They never even tried. They never tried. They weren't even interested in the answer. They never considered what the answer was. What do you think? Was John in touch with God or did he just make this all up by himself? They, they didn't even consider that. They only considered what was best for them. They really didn't know from where John's message came because they never considered the question. Just, how is this going to affect us? Because they were completely and utterly self-focused. They were hypocrites. Justice, righteousness meant nothing to them. Only whatever was profitable or pleasurable or in some way beneficial to them. So they became deeply unjust. I want to read what happens next in that same story because it really ties into what we're going to learn next. And he, Jesus, began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and led it out to tenants and went into another country for a long time. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant. But they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one they wounded also and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send them my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not! But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Whoa, <laughs> don't stand in Jesus' way. That's a <laughs> and what was the response of these Oh, so proper. You, you understand, they looked good. They looked good. But they were hypocrites. What, what was their response to this story? The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. But they feared the people. <laughs> they got it! But they were ever practical, interested in their goals. Their interest was self-focused rather than other-focused. So much so that they didn't see the ultimately other. They didn't see the Son of God standing right in front of them. Jesus and justice. 700 years before the Son of God took on human form, the Spirit of God drove Isaiah to write these inspired words about Jesus. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. Justice, justice, justice. 
We often think of Jesus coming because of and in love, and that's true. But love means nothing without justice. If there is no setting things right, then there's no love. Jesus came the first time to establish a foundation for justice. But he was not treated with justice. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off for truth is fallen in the streets and equity cannot enter so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. If those in that horrible situation would not be evil then they became prey for those who were. And isn't that exactly the problem with those trapped in violent injustice today? Isn't it the same thing? Now we all know, of course, that Jesus himself became prey. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Philip asked the Ethiopian executive who was reading that if he understood this. And he answered him well. He said, how can I without some help here? I need, I need somebody. Who's he even talking about? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him about the good news of Jesus. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. His life is taken from the earth. And Philip started there and told him the good news about Jesus. <laughs> uh, why did that work? Most of us will never be called to go to a third world country and fight injustice. You know, we're not, we're not going to do that. Shoot, we, we never see injustice at that level that they have there. Min joined the police force over there, not to serve and protect like here, but to dominate and use. That's what the police are. Most of the world, when you see people from a third world country come here and you say, I don't know, let's go find a policeman. They're like, <laughs> What? <laughs> Why would you ever look for a policeman? They don't understand because that's not what policemen do there. Teachers are there so that they can extract money and worse from their students, literally. Uh, Religious leaders tightly hold their positions so that they can have power over others. That's injustice. Not much like the suffering servant that Jesus was, are they? They're just not like that. We don't like injustice, so for the most part, we send other people to do that sort of dirty work, you know, work that's in the dirt. (laughs) That's what that is. We don't really do much about injustice, truthfully. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's doing a lot. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Every one of us is just like those hypocrites. We turn to our own way. We care for ourselves first. The truth is, without Christ, we would all be just as guilty as anyone. (laughs) But Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he did preach and teach and do miracles. He did die for us. But injustice could not hold him. He did rise again. And one day, one day, he will be back to execute absolute and final judgment final justice in the meantime we may suffer injustice like Job like Jesus beloved do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed Justice is what we expect. It's what should be. And so we're caught off guard. You know, a sucker punch. That's justice, injustice. Peter says, don't be. What did you expect in this world, this ugly, dirty, unjust world? But then he goes on, rejoice. (laughs) Uh, What? Injustice overwhelms us and we suffer. And you say, happy days! Peter says, come on. Don't you remember what happened to Jesus? Why would you think this would happen to him but not his followers? And besides, have you forgotten what Christ did to injustice? And what he will do? We often talk about what heaven will be like. And hey, we're going to be there. It's great. You know, we should celebrate that. But if all the people who do turn their lives over to Christ are made just by him and are in the new creation, uh, where will all the other people be? (laughs) Of the new creation, we know nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So Jesus' book of life. Outside are dogs, the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral, and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. The only thing outside is hell, the lake of fire. What people don't understand is that hell will personify injustice. All the injustice will be there. The worst that happens on this poor dying earth is barely a glimpse of the horror that awaits there. Now, no mere human, none of us, really understands the reality of hell like God does. 
So is it any wonder that Jesus, himself God the Son, warned more about hell than anyone else ever did? Because he knew it the most. For love to be ultimately expressed, as in the new creation, justice must be absolutely expressed. And it will be. We are to work for justice on this earth. And one day we get to enjoy perfect justice forever. That would be great. But now, all we got to do is get as many people as we can to seek justice. To seek justice. Because if they seek justice, they'll inevitably find the one from whom justice originates and emanates. They will find Jesus. All who seek Jesus, seek justice. We must, in this world, we must fight for justice. In other words, we must rebuke the oppressor. (laughs) We must defend those who have no earthly father to defend them. We must plead for those who are true widows and, and are left with no one else to help them. And we're not called to save the world, okay? We're not... We're going to save the world. That's, that's Jesus' job. That's why he came. But we will find chances to stand for what is just and against what is unjust. Those will come to us. And if we, if we are to be his hands, you've heard that expression, we, we are the hands of Jesus in the world today, right? Then those hands need to come to the aid of the powerless. We have to stand against injustice in the world in whatever way we are able to help. But especially where we are, where we are. There is injustice here. I know it's not like third world injustice, but there is injustice here. And we need to stand against it. And we need to stand for the right Let justice roll. Let's pray. Father, justice seems like such a hard, hard thing. It's like, well, like Jesus described, it's like a stone falling down and crushing whoever's underneath it. It's so hard that if you fall on it, you're going to be broken. That's what justice feels like. But we see that without it, love cannot be expressed. We want to love. We want to care. And we have to realize what you've shown us. That if we truly love and care, we stand for what is right. And sometimes that means opposing those who are wrong. Not always easy, Lord. Uh, Never easy. So we ask you for help. Help us to stand for what is right, even if it means standing against those who are wrong. Help us to do it where we are. And yes, help us find ways to contribute to those who are doing it throughout the world. Thank you, Father, for an opportunity to be yours. 
and especially thank you for that time when we will share in the glory of Christ. That because of your love for us, because you accepted us, because you put your Son in the position we deserved, and he suffered the injustice so that we could have justice forever. We thank you that you've drawn us there. Help us to find those who have not yet understood that truth and help them to understand and to see how your love and justice work hand in hand to bring any who will, any and every person can come to you and live forever in a perfectly just world. Help us to help them see that, Lord, however that works. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.